Welcome to the Gateways Beyond International Podcast, featuring inspirational teaching from our ministry bases in the nations. For more information, please visit us online at gatewaysbeyond.org. Hallelujah. You know, Matt shared this morning in the first service from Psalm 67, and uh, he shared about the power of blessing, um, the hand of God's blessing upon us. If you want to be encouraged, uh, the first service they were shouting at the end. They were like, ooh, yes. You know, we were encouraged. I heard several people coming to him and saying, that was so refreshing. We were, were blessed by the energy and the, and the spirit that you release upon us concerning this, this message of blessing. So if you want to be encouraged in the blessing of God, get that message. He, he shared from Psalm 67 and began with the first verse, God be merciful to us and bless us. And cause his face to shine upon us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump off of this verse from the next verse onward. Psalm 67 verse 2 and on. That your way may be known on the earth. Your salvation among the nations. In verse 3 and 4. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And again in verse 5 and 6, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word that's alive here among us. We thank you that you would release your message to each one of our hearts, God. Beyond the words that I'm speaking, that you would inspire our hearts in the kingdom of God. You would inspire our hearts in your thoughts for this earth that we live in, Lord, and that, that which you have called us to be a part of. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, in this passage, there's a call. It says, let the peoples praise you. Let all the nations, let all the peoples praise you. We are part of the kingdom of God, the sovereign plan of God that... It's going to culminate with him, Jesus, returning to the earth and establishing his rule and reign here in the nations. We're part of the winning team. This is a great place to start. I know where we are today. I know what's going to happen at the end. And the things in the middle, you know, as you read Revelations and all these you know, terrible things that will happen, it's, you know, I feel like, oh, I don't want to study the book of Revelation. You know, it's... It's too much for me to take. I can't think about it. I have four children. I don't want to think about tribulation. I don't want to think about destruction, all those things that are happening. But those are not what is coming. For the kingdom of God, for the body of God, what he has called us to is not to set our sights on the, on the destruction and all those, the judgment of God that's going to come. That's not our focus. Our focus is Jesus as the king of kings and lord of lords. And we work back to, to understand last day's theology. I'm like a little kid, you know. To understand last day's theology, I love the Lord today. He's coming back to rule and reign and establish his kingdom. We're going to win. And I'm going to try to work back to establish my theology from here to there. And if I get confused, I go all the way to the end and work my way back. It's a win-win situation, however you study scriptures, to understand what the Lord is about to do. He's called us to partner with him, but also in partnering with him, we release the sovereignty of God and the sovereign plan of God in the nations. 
I know it doesn't make sense. There's this whole debate in the church concerning free will and predestination. I don't want to get stuck anywhere. I want to be inspired in the Lord. I know that I am called to partner. We are called to partner with God here in the city, here for this nation in, in these election, uh, critical days leading up to the election. We're called to partner in prayer. If we don't have a practical influence it directly for some of these issues, we're called to pray and believe God's highest for our nation. Amen? And also, with the partnering, we believe that God's sovereign plan is being established and revealed in the earth. Whether we see it or not, He is at work. Do you believe that? Thank you, Lord. Especially when we don't see it, let's step into this place of faith to believe that, God, I don't understand. I don't see it. I don't know what you're doing, but I pray, let your kingdom come. That was our confession. Let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. You know, we come from, we live on the island of Cyprus. Cyprus is located in the center of the earth, in the Mediterranean Sea. Surrounded by all of the, 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 the Islamic nations and Israel right to our, to our east. This is the most critical piece of geography in the whole world. And the things that God is doing now among the, in, the, in the Islamic nations, this is historic. He's shaking the nations of the earth one after the other. I grew up in a Muslim country. I'm from India originally. Hello to all my Indian brothers and sisters. I'm from Kerala. If you're from Kerala, I speak Malayalam, Malayalam Nanayariam. So come and talk to me afterwards. <clears throat> and I grew up in an Islamic nation, and after I got saved, I used to ask the Lord, God, how is the gospel going to enter in these Islamic nations? How will the gospel penetrate? How can we present? How will these people, how will this people group hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? This was my question. I could not imagine a way of the gospel penetrating because it was closed. The government and the people group and the Islamic faith itself prevented the the entrance of the gospel of, of Jesus to these nations. You know the sovereign plan of God that is at work right now? He's shaking these nations one after another, after another, and after another. The nations that prevented the gospel from entering, he is moving the people out by a great modern day exodus out of these nations in order that they can hear the good news of salvation. What we know in what we hear about in the news channels as the refugee crisis, if we have eyes to see, ears to hear what God is doing, it's not a refugee crisis, it's a modern day exodus in order that the gospel can penetrate that, cent- that Middle Eastern regions. The message of the good news, John three sixteen. This is, my f- this is my portion for this morning. I didn't know this was a theme for your month of September. The gospel has gone out from that region, from Cyprus, from Israel, from Antioch, to the ends of the earth, and is returning back to where it first began. And this fortress that had prevented the gospel from entering these Islamic nations now is opening, and God sovereignly, like it was for the Israelites. You know, Egypt had had a refugee crisis years ago. And the word of the Lord came to them and said, Let my people go. Why? In order that they can worship me. It's the same call 
to the Islamic nations. God's, the voice of God is calling out to these Islamic nations saying, let my people go in order that they can worship me. We don't hear the reports of salvation among the refugees in the, in the news. But we know people firsthand reports of family after family after family after family coming into salvation knowledge. We have a ministry in, in Herrenhut, Germany, and they just shared a testimony with us. They've been going once a week, traveling an hour to Dresden uh, to minister just to spend time at a refugee center. Many of them are coming to the Lord. And they said, all of them love us every time we come. I think on, on Tuesday nights or uh, Saturday nights, they go, go and just spend time. Sometimes they play games. Sometimes they just hang out and talk, have food and fellowship with, with these refugees. And so when we're there, they just come around us and they don't want us to leave. And some of them have come into salvation knowledge in Jesus. And so one of them who is a new believer among the refugees, he had an issue with his hand, something with his finger and uh, our, our young friends, they were like in their 20s, they said, can we pray for you? Now, he's never experienced any, anything like this. So they just knew what they knew to always do. They, you know, touched his hand, and they prayed for him. Whatever was wrong with his hand, he got instantly healed. You know, he, did, he, does, he hasn't read scriptures to understand all the things that we know about God and his healing power and the blood of Jesus and all of those that by his stripes were healed. He didn't know all of those things. But he got healed. So, you know, they, they prayed for him and he was so excited and, you know, they went back. And the next week when they came or a couple of weeks later when they came again, this man came to them and said, I have to share something with you. When you, when you prayed for me last time, in Jesus' name I got healed. So I thought of a cousin of mine, they're Iranians. I thought of a cousin of mine who is in Iran with really critical stage of cancer. And they didn't know, they didn't know that, you know, maybe for cancer it's another level of faith than when you pray for your finger. You know, they just believed in simplicity. So he called his relatives, told them to go to the hospital where his cousin is in, with cancer. And so these are Muslims now. He's a young believer, but these are Muslims. So he calls his Muslim relatives to go to the hospital to pray in Jesus' name for his Muslim cousin who is in critical stages with cancer. And he has them lay hands on his cousin, pray for her, and he's praying over the phone. In Jesus' name, I speak healing. A week later, they get a report from the doctor that she is completely healed of cancer. Come on, this is a power of the gospel that is still true today. Our friends who are in Herrenhut, I was there with them just a few weeks back. They were going to the refugee center not to heal cancer. They were motivated by love. Their only desire was to go. They didn't have a plan. They didn't have, okay, these are the five steps of salva to salvation and healing. No, they said, we're going to go spend time and love on them. That's all we're going to do. I had a dream Two, two nights ago that I was preaching here. And, I, and this is what I said. When love, in my dream, when love is authentic, you step into uncharted measures of faith. Because now abide faith, hope, and love. Faith and hope are ingredients of the working of the love of God, which is eternal and unconditional and uncreated. 
But when we operate in this unconditional, uncreated nature of the love of God, we step into, it's a, it's a circle, it's not linear, faith propels love, and love in turn increases the measure of faith for us to step into greater, in a greater way. That's what our, our team did. They prayed just out of love, and that began to, you know, and with this report of, of healing and salvation, now they are more equipped and more inspired to go and love even more. Thank you, Lord. As the, as the, as the uh, political and international situations begin to worsen, we hear reports even with civil unrest in, in the United States and in the nations with all the refugee crisis and more that is to come. These are the things that the book of Revelation talks about. But our focus is not these things. Our focus is, Lord, establish your love among us so that we can be beacons of light, beacons of the need for love in these last days. I've been, this has been my quote, that love is going to be the greatest commodity in the earth in the days to come. What we have known as basic biblical principle, love is everything. We learn it from, I'm sure they're learning, our kids are learning about some nature of love in Sunday school. We've all, if you've been, if you grew up in the church, this is something that you first learned, God is love. But it is not meant to be a basic principle in the days to come. You know, love was purchased for us on the cross. And this message of the cross, this message of John 3.16 is not just a historical uh, information. The price that was paid for the love of God to be released on the earth was so great that it cannot remain as historical fact or this is what Jesus did on the cross. He's going to set the stage internationally for the church to rise up to a new level of the expression we have not even seen yet. The love of God is going to take center stage in the days and years to come. What we know as basic will be the most profound commodity soon. And we're beginning to experience this already. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Revelation chapter 1, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what we are to look forward to, the revealing of Christ. Now, this is twofold. One is to be eagerly looking for and hastening his soon return, as it says in 2 Peter. Looking for that revelation of Christ on the day of his return. But the second is just like it. Because when you read Revelation chapter 1, it says revelation of Jesus Christ. And in three verses right below it, it begins to describe this revelation. Because you know what it says? John to the seven churches. You see, the revelation of Jesus is not only in when he appears and reveals himself. The revelation of Jesus Christ is equally going to be revealed by the church of God Across the nations of the earth. Revelation of Jesus Christ. John to the seven churches. Thank you Lord. God what is your message for us today? What is the command? What is the, what is the, the, the one thing that you're calling us to live out today in these days? 
Because this, together with his revelation, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're not only waiting for him to come, we are preparing ourselves to live in such a way that he is revealed in us in a glorious way today. Thank you, Lord. You know, of all the things that we could come into when Jesus returns, of all the ways of being united with him when he returns, I would have thought he would be king of kings, lord of lords. That's how he's coming. And we will be his lovers. We just worship him for the rest of our lives, and we're going to do that. But of all of the relationships he chose in his wisdom to what? To unite to us through marriage. And scriptures, it says in, in, in different portions, that this relationship this, between man and wife is about the relationship between Jesus and the church. And the instruction, basic instruction for marriage is what? Don't be unequally yoked. Right? So when he's coming back, the preparation of the bride being without spot or wrinkle, we always think about that in, with the paradigm of, oh, I don't want to be, uh, live a sinful life. That's true. I want to be sin-free. I want to walk holy before the Lord. Yes. What manner of people are you to be? Of holy conduct. That's what the way we want to live, God. But the preparation is not only of living a pure and holy life. The preparation of the bride is, has to do with the revelation of the love of God through our lives. Which will be in equal measure with the revelation of the love of God through Jesus when he returns to us. The revelation of Jesus Christ and the command or the letter to the churches go hand in hand. His revelation and our preparation are equally happening at the same time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We're not just waiting. We are living to reveal this one true identity of the nature of Christ, which will be revealed. The glorious love, the glorious wedding feast. You have to be in love. You know, we have... Young people in our ministry, in the last couple of years we've had young staff, you know, fall in love with each other, which is great. We want to see all of our single staff get married. And this is an amazing time for us to see this. You know, God is blessing our community in that way. But it is also one of the worst times for us as a ministry. What do you mean, Johnny? You know, when people are in love, there's something about them that... When they fall in love, I'm sure many of you can attest to this. When you first fall in love, what happens? Everything else is blurry. Right? It just doesn't matter. We all instantly become hippies. <laughs> our, our, our leaders, young leaders, I, we, Sarah and I stepped away from leading this, the ministry school. We've appointed young leaders now this past year. They got married. And they were not getting anything done. <laughs> There's something about this nature of love that is just all-encompassing. We just, this is, this is it. This is what the church is going to look like. As the situations in the nations, even in our own nation, the civil unrest, the call for the display of the love of God is going to be so great. It's going to be the greatest commodity. If people don't want to hear the message of Jesus, guess what? The, it's fine because the, their need for the love of God is going to increase. And the only resource will be his body. 
Because we are being prepared, not only for them, but we're being prepared to love in order that we're in equal measure with him. In equal, in equality of the expression of love with Jesus. And we will be the resource. I looked it up, what the greatest commodity is. It's this metal called Californium. 27, it cost, it's, the value is $27 million per gram. Wow, where do I find this? All the business people said, what? I never heard of that. But the love of God is going to be the greatest commodity beyond any other valuable item. You can sell all that you own to grab a hold of this precious pearl of the love of God. And it's going to be established through us, through his body. Thank you, Lord. John, 1 John 4.16 says this. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The message of the gospel through the church is going to be simplified the closer we get to him. All of the differences of denomination and the differences of theology, all of those things that we've struggled with, everything else is going to become blurry. It's going to be there, I think, but it's going to be blurry because we are going to be united and unified because we are all now together in love and are waiting, expecting for him to return any minute. And in this earnest expectation of his return, there's going to be a great demand for the love of God. Thank you, Lord. So for us, in order to understand God, what are you speaking concerning all the things that we hear in the news, the civil unrest that's going on? between cultures and people groups. The paradigm, the plumb line is love. It's increasing. If we begin to look at news, listen to news, not saying, oh my gosh, what is happening to our nation? We need to be on the other side. Yes, the demand for this commodity of God's love is increasing day after day. This is a perspective of heaven. When it talks about judgment and all the things that's going to happen, those things are going to make the love of God take center stage. Thank you, Lord. I want to be a part of a church that's ready and positioned to display the love of God. No condition, no questions. We love. Terrorism. What do I think of it? There's, you know, and one part of me, like this spirit of justice begins to rise up. But until I let the plumb line of the love of God rest deep in my heart concerning terrorism, I will not have the heart of God. The greatest, I struggle with it, do you? But when this measure, the scale of the love of God enters my heart concerning terrorism. Can we talk about this for a couple minutes? Until that enters my heart, I will not have the, the counsel of the Lord. I will have my idea, my perspective, my thoughts. I feel that many Christians should take a break from Facebook for a few months or a couple of years until we have this paradigm of the love of God. It's unconditional. The greatest terror that ever happened was that the Son of God was sent to the earth and a people crucified him. 
He was preparing to reveal his love and his glory to a people knowing full well that they were going to crucify him. And while he was on the cross, you know what he said? Father, forgive them. And while he was on the cross, one of the guys with him on the cross, he didn't qualify at all for eternity, but he just asked the weakest question. That's the weakest prayer if you're like, you think about you're beside Jesus on the cross. He didn't have theology. He didn't have background. He didn't have even a way to pray. I would have said, our Father, I would have recited every prayer I knew. You know what he said? Think of me. Think of me. This Jesus on the cross right next to you and all you can say is think of me. And in that moment, he was the first one to experience the overflow of redemption that was being purchased in that moment. He said, you will be with me in paradise today. Today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For every situation, nationally, for the elections that are coming up, Lord, let the plumb line of, we pray for your love to be revealed through our leader, God. We pray for the love of God to be revealed that will have direct impact on the societies, the subcultures within this nation. This needs to be our prayer. Lord, raise up a leader in this election that's coming up that can reveal the nature of Christ for our nation, Lord. The disciples asked Jesus at one point, Jesus, it's so complicated. We have so many commandments to live through. We have so many things you've shown us. What do we focus on? Give us a cheat sheet. Give us one. Give us one example. Like, is there like, like an easy button, you know? Is there like a, is there something easy we can follow that we don't miss it? It's so difficult. He says, actually, there is. I'm so glad you asked. He says, all of this hang on two commandments. And what are the two commandments? Love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbors. In these two commandments, all of the other commandments are fulfilled. And they were like, yes. Why didn't you tell us this before? <laughs> Little did they know what it would mean to walk this out. You see, this was still, these are eternal words. But it was still in the paradigm of the first covenant because Jesus hadn't gone on the cross. That doesn't mean it's not valuable. Now, on the other side of the cross, in Galatians, Paul writes this in Galatians 5.14. Jesus said in two things, loving God and loving each, your neighbor as yourself, all of the commandments are fulfilled. Paul writes, on the other side of the cross, he says, all of the commandments are fulfilled in this one word. He says one word, but says a, a verse. Now, how dare you, Paul? Jesus said, it's two. How can you minimize that to one? Two is good. We'll take two. Why are you trying to simplify? Why are you trying to minimize it? No. He says, all of the commandments are fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. I would have thought if he were to pick one of those two, he would pick love the Lord with all your heart. He didn't. He picked the other one because in this, it's the love of God is fulfilled. In this, because we're motivated by our love for him in order to love our neighbor as ourselves. In the definition in 2 Corinthians 13, in the definition of love, 
It says what love does not, love doesn't, is not angered, you know, does not puff up, and all those things. It says what the love doesn't do. But then there's a passage, a verse that says what love does do. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. In the middle, this is a definition of love. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. On the two ends, in the beginning and the end, is bears all things and endures all things. We think love is just, uh, you know, romantic love. There's, There's that part of it as well. But love is meant to reveal itself when you're required to bear all things. Go with me on this. Love is, requ- is meant to be manifest when you have to bear all things. Meaning the circumstance and the surrounding, the situation is not really great. It's not naturally inspiring love. But in the midst of these kinds of circumstances, it says, love bears all things and love endures all things. If we can bear circumstances that are going to get worse, in the midst of that, say, Lord, we want as a church, as a family, we want our words to reveal the nature of your love. We want our actions. We want our theology. We want what we say, what we think about the unfolding international events to be, to be, to be saturated in the love of God. So as we read on in Hebrews... Chapter 10, 24. This commandment of love is taken to a completely new level. Jesus said two things. Paul said in Galatians, now one thing, love your neighbor as yourself. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Here, the paradigm of love is taken to such a new level that we're not just saying, God, I don't like them, but I, I love them. That's not what he's calling us to. God, I, I don't want to walk. I don't feel I'll ever walk in relationship with them, but I just love you in the love of the Lord. That means absolutely nothing. That's Christian mumbo jumbo. It doesn't produce. That's not... That doesn't come from, that doesn't initiate, that doesn't stir anything. Here, the paradigm, here's what it says. Let us consider one another in order to stir up. Now the, now the, the command is not just to love from a distance. Love, remember, you're bearing and enduring in some kind of circumstance. Until you stir up love in them and You provoke them so much that they're moved by love and they respond with good works towards you. Come on. We're not just loving, but we are going to love until you love us back. I'm going to love, I'm going to endure the difficulty and the hardship. I'm going to keep loving until I feel this love responding, until you're moved and I provoke you to love. This has to be our paradigm as the church as we consider the unfolding events, social events, international events around us. Thank you, Lord. Give us this enduring love. Thank you, Lord. Give us this 
love that bears all things. Because in the middle of enduring and bearing is love believes all things and love hopes all things. The things that we don't see and we are believing for as we endure the circumstances and love, we're saying we're calling out the things that we don't see yet. Come on, church. Come on. Think of a situation that's not far from us. Think of circumstances, situations. Begin to call out the things that you don't see yet. Call them into existence. Thank you, Lord. Let's not be silent. Let's begin to posture and position ourselves as the church. This is a preparation of the bride. This is, on any stage, political, international, this revelation of the love of God is the preparation, the greatest preparation of the bride. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I'll end with this one short story. We were in, Nep- in ministering in Nepal years ago. And we had this regional pastor's conference in this little hut. Dark, packed, with about 100 pastors, leaders from that whole network. The apostolic leader is there, and, and all the leaders from their network of churches are gathered. It was a shack. And our team was ministering for like three or four hours. It was like glorious, prophetic words and, and messages and skits and songs. And, and at the end, we had powerful ministry time. They were getting blessed, just accurate. We had like, I've never had this, like a seven-point prophetic word. I'm always thankful for one-point prophetic word for a church to encourage them. But it was just a download from heaven to encourage this network. And during the ministry, it was packed in front. We've been there for four hours now, dimly lit, and the doors open in the back. It was like bright light. And in the, in the doorway stood a silhouette of what I, th- it looked like a girl, but her hair was all disheveled all over the place, you know, and, and the smell, the, it was a stench that came from the wind that blew in, just overwhelmed the whole room. And she made, it was packed in the front, she made a beeline to where I was, and I just laid hands on her, and I got closer. And we've been in very difficult, uh, Ministry situations, traveling around the world, you know, you, 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 come, you come in contact with different kinds of things, smells and, you know, just different cultures and things. And some things you just have to like, we encourage our team, guys, don't let it show on your face. We want to reveal the love of God. This is not a good expression when you're handling practical difficulties, you know. But I t- I, Sarah was there with me. I kid you not, I, um, I'm the one who's teaching this to our team. But as I'm praying for 10 seconds in, I could not handle, physically handle, I, was, I felt like I was about, I was like, I can't do this. I had to turn around just to catch my breath. And she had this long cloak with just filthy blood and stains and all over her and just her, you know, face and hands. And it was just, she was a demoniac. And she had been part of this village where we were in. But because she was under this demonic oppression, they tried everything and they, they cast her out and they, they could not handle her anymore. And so she's been out for almost 10 years out in the forest just by herself. And so she comes into this meeting. She's never been to a church meeting for years. She comes in. And I walk away. I find out this later. I walk away and I turn around. One of our team members, Leah Gawkenauer, I still remember, most unassuming girl on our team. Most unassuming girl. She's not a worship leader, not a preacher, not any, just a normal girl, just loves God. She went over to this girl and, and put her arms around her. I was, and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to get ready to like tag team because I know she's not going to last long. But for about an hour, she sat down with her. She was cradling this girl. This girl had the craziest expression look on You could tell. It was completely 
demon-possessed. Crazy look on her face. Leah just held her and was rocking her for an hour. We were continuing ministry. And towards the end of this time, we could see tears falling down. I mean, marking her her dirt-stained face. And I asked our pastor, who's, who's been our guide that time, I said, who is, do you know who this girl is? And he's, he was reluctant to tell me, he said, she is the daughter of the apostolic leader of this whole network. They've gone through such a difficulty, and they didn't know what to do with her, and because it was a, a, a cause of shame for them as a family and a church and a community and a village, they had to send her out. They didn't know, I mean, a lot of violence and everything, they didn't know what to do. They tried ministry, nothing worked. I have never felt the stirring of the intensity of the love of God in me like that moment, never before, never since. I said, call all of the leaders in the front, including her parents. We called all of them, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, don't do it, 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 you'll never be invited back. I said, the love of God was so intense in me. And I said, I called all the leaders, Leah still sitting down with this girl. I said, I don't even know theologically if this works, But I said, I hold back every, I feel this in my body right now. I hold back every word of blessing that we spoke over you and your churches and your network and your lives. We hold back every prophetic word that we spoke over you. We hold back every prayer that we spoke over you. We hold back every blessing that we spoke over your community. Until you love this one back to life. And she, her restoration through loving her will be a sign of the greater release of all of these things that God wants to do in the first place. Come on. Love is intense. The love of God is intense. It doesn't qualify any other way than love. This girl, after an hour, got up with the light of God. She was delivered. With the light of God shining in her, just tears continuing to drop. The pastors didn't know what to do with her. And we said, she's going to sit with us. We're going to have lunch. We're closing the meeting. She sat down and had lunch with us, and we began to talk to them. This is the expression of it. This is what we're here for. Not a prophetic word. Not any of those things. Until those things produce love. Right? And this story remained with me that no matter what circumstance goes on, that what we see in the news, what's going on in our society, we as a church are called to reveal the love of God. This, by this, we become equally yoked for his return. Maybe, perhaps, he's waiting to return until the church begins to be revealed in, by, in, in the nations through this one paradigm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Love is a doorway into everlasting life. He said, I don't know the time. Only the father knows. Even Jesus doesn't know the hour or the time. Perhaps he's waiting for the revelation of the bride without spot or wrinkle. Maybe this identity is us standing in love without question. For every nation, every people group, every circumstance, every election. Come on. We're challenged to love in this election. True. We have our own, this is what I think, this is what I think, this is what I think. Lord, I'm calling for the revelation of the love of God. I'm calling for a revolution of the love of God in this nation. Prepare your bride here in Nashua. Prepare your bride here in Gate City Church. Be a beacon. 
Come on, rise to your feet. I just want to pray this. Pray this. Declare this blessing over you guys. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for all the ingredients of the kingdom of God that is alive here in this church, Lord. Thank you, God. I pray for a radical movement of love where it will not only be the memory verse for this, this, for this month, but it will be, I think it's, it's God's design. I was planning to share on the love of God. This is God's highlighting this, that this, in this month, for the elections, that this will be our preparation. This verse is our banner. We're singing, we lift up the banner. And the revelation of the bride in, in, in Song of Solomon, that the bride, the Shulamite, will be awesome as an army with banners. Think about an army of God raising up here in Nashua, and our banner is the love of God. Hallelujah. I commission you, I bless you to walk this radical way that every response to any circumstances, God, we love. I love the African-American community. I love the Caucasian community. I love every subgroup that is in this nation, God. I love the, I was in Mexico preaching. I said, God is highlighting you and God's going to do greater things in Mexico. It's, it was dangerous to pray that prayer in Mexico. God is highlighting this nation for a reason. To awaken the church to this new paradigm. So I bless you with the increase. Revelation of the love of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah.